0: Hey, OT geniuses, my name is Jessica Lopez Hermantin, and I am the creator and founder of OT Genius, and you're listening to Pre-OT Secrets. On this show, we talk about how to get into occupational therapy school, how to do it in the most financially savvy way. And we also dive into the stories of pre-OTs, current OT professionals and students, To learn how they got in and what their experiences were like and so we're here to inspire motivate and encourage you throughout your ot journey and show you how you can be a successful ot school applicant and become the ot that you want to be now on to the show Hello, OT geniuses. Welcome to another Pre-OT Secrets episode. We have Lindsay DeLong back and we're going to be diving deeper into this whole home modification thing. The, the first episode is really just a like a quick intro to what it is and what got her into um modification, but we're going to be diving a little bit deeper and and learn a little bit more about how maybe you can get involved and make this a, a part of practice and make it a little bit more common. So I, and so here we go, Lindsay, I'm just going to start right off. What is a typical, I guess you could say when you're working with The aspect of home modification, what is the typical process like or what is a typical, I guess, day like for you if you are in dealing and and working on the home modification, things that and, and adaptations that a patient may need specifically that you work with? So what would that look like for you?
1: So typically if I'm being called in to do a home modification evaluation, they're usually called some sort of, they usually have a title like a fall prevention evaluation or Medicare will, will pay for some of that. So some of okay. what I do is figure out what the payment source is going to be. So I have to start there. If I'm going to be doing something out of pocket, there's a lot of discussion up front about expectation because if somebody's paying for my services out of pocket, which is quite common in home modification land, then they're going to want to know what they're getting for their money. And traditionally speaking, a out-of-pocket home evaluation, we just we can just call it that home evaluation, is going to be me going to the person's home. I'm going to be taking very detailed photographic and written notes about pretty much every aspect of the physical environment from the exterior, garage, driveway, access to mailboxes, access to outbuildings, to the interior of the home, what are the stair accesses like? What are the door widths? I mean, what are the flooring types? You're going to be doing such a detailed documentation of the physical environment. The piece of this that makes it extremely skilled and why it requires a good deal of time to get good at it is because what makes OTs great is we take that observation of the physical environment, because anybody can look at a physical environment and, and take measurements and do that. What makes it an occupational therapist's job is then we will take that information and link it back to the person. Who is residing in this home? What are their physical limitations? What's their prognosis? Do they have caregivers? Do they have family living in that home? What's that dynamic like? So, we're gonna tie that, and I will bring this up a couple times, but the PEO model, the person, the in- environment, the occupation, we're gonna tie those things together, and I'm gonna create a written document, I mean, many pages long, <laughs> that <laughs> ties all of that together. So, initially, that first visit when I do my home evaluation, the time that that takes is usually somewhere between two and three hours that I spend in the person's home for that initial visit. I may seek additional clarification on certain systems within the home if I need to. It's it's entirely possible. And in some of these cases, you're finding homes that are in disrepair. So you need to document any areas of concern when it comes to plumbing issues, electrical concerns, you know, just general issues with the structure of the home. Do we have any need to bring in somebody who can specialize in that as well. So we start to talk about referral processes and give people kind of some insight into what can happen. I am a big proponent of fixing what I can fix right away. Okay. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, sometimes in that process, we'll identify some really quick fixes that like I may have in my car, you know, we could just add a little bit of that, you know, Dyson or a little cylindrical foam here and we can you know, grab a, we can put a grab bar here. And I'm trained to do the installation of basic medical equipment. So maybe they have some medical equipment in the house, but they've never installed it correctly. I might do that on that initial visit. I like to right. leave people either, better off than when I started. I don't want to just show up, slam them with a bunch of information, make them overwhelmed, and then disappear. That's, that's something I do specifically. So that's okay. kind of that initial kind of overwhelming, very labor intensive visit, then I go back to my car, either go to a coffee shop, go home and start writing. And it can take me anywhere from three to, I mean, I've eight hours on the more complex home situations to write up a detailed home evaluation recommendation, basically report. And then that report gets issued to the patient. It gets issued to if there's a case manager involved that's common with like, especially pediatric or workman's comp or auto cases, there might be a so there may be some sort of middle person who's dealing with insurance coverage. And anyone else who needs that information, a contractor, so on. So that begins that process of getting funding, getting people lined up. So all in all, a single home project can take is like a full time job when it's going on. And I usually only take on maybe two or three of those a month because of the volume of work. So it's a very different looking process than traditional yeah. patient care.
0: Yeah, it definitely sounds like it, which is why I wanted you to to share that with us. And what are some of the what would you say obviously we could well we keep it HIPAA compliant of course, but just to give <laughs> you know people a perspective of maybe the type of clients that they would maybe need home modification and some of the modifications that you have done like what type of clients do you you normally see that n- need home modifi- modification and would benefit from that? And what are some of the most common things that you have modified? I mean, I have a few things that come to my mind already as a current OT that I like. I could maybe just modify off the bat. It depends. Like, you know, I... So a little bit of like about my academic background when I was in school, we had to do a home modification project as part of an assignment, and I had to find somebody in the local community that needed some changes. And don't ask me how I even came across this person. I think it was just someone, yeah, that's how it was. I was actually, so there, because there is a disability resource center at our university, I, I had met this individual and he was in a wheelchair or is still in a wheelchair. And he and I were talking and he already had a lot of modifications just based on him having his diagnosis already for quite some time. and already having therapists who have gone to his setting and have made their recommendations and but it was still really interesting to go in there and see what modifications they already did have and what modifications were already made for example the light switches were already there and and so that was really really cool to see i saw like just the the bed but i was i don't remember what recommendations per se i made for that assignment because it was such a long time ago when i was a student but i like i, I remember that there were still some things that i was able to to catch and be like oh this could be better and that could be better and i saw i remember actually now that i think about it even just the 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 shower incline in order for to to for, to make it safer because it, it was the, the the way that the incline was it just made it harder for the individual that maybe was pushing him into the shower room to even get like push him like up. So I remember that it was just so steep. I'm like, there's no need for that. <laughs> I, I don't know what, and, and not to mention that if you're coming down and the, the, the patient just comes in the wheelchair and just starts sliding off. But I remember seeing that and I'm like, yeah, that does not look safe. I don't know who made that modification or made it that high, but it was really, really steep. So I remember just Probably not an OT. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, exactly. So, but I just remember thinking, I'm like, what- I'm like, thank you, but that was really not helpful for the patient. But anyway, so I saw that, but what are some of the common modifications that you make? Like what are some of the most common ones that you see?
1: Yeah. So it's really common to one of the most common things that any home modification expert is going to get called in for is to do fall prevention evaluations. These are a less intensive version of a true huge home evaluation. These ones are clearly focused on fall prevention, which I love. And it's something that's actually covered on a lot of Medicare Part B insurance coverage plans. So this is something that's actually a covered benefit for a lot of seniors. And it's a wonderful opportunity to go in and start making some recommendations that can keep people in their homes, which is always a goal for so many people. So one of the more common things that you're going to see in those situations is flooring. Whether that's the the physical texture of the floor, we've got trip hazards, we've got lots of threshold changes, or visual component of the floor, people who Mm -hmm. are in the early phases of dementia or have some vision issues, making modifications to flooring by either adding cues so that, for example, Parkinson's disease, if you add cues to flooring, you can improve the walking ability. And it's little changes, even adding colored brightly colored threshold tape. So finding a really brightly colored tape that you can put on the floor to identify threshold so that the person is reminded, oh, I got to lift my feet. Higher when I step over from the thick carpet to my tile making changes removing rugs obviously that's when we're notorious yeah for people <laughs> yeah get rid us. of those rugs <laughs> I I'm actually not a big get rid of the rug thing because I it just you want to destroy rapport make people get rid of their beloved rugs so I'm a, I always <laughs> can carry rug tape with me pretty much all the time and you can take oh down that's a rug. good
0: modification there they
1: get to keep yep. their rugs and it makes it safer Everybody's happy. Lots of bathroom modifications. If you are not safe in the bathroom, you are not safe at home. So adding grab bars is probably top five. Um, Adding some sort of toilet modification, whether that's a a support frame that attaches to the toilet, sometimes a riser is necessary. I've been adding and recommending bidets left and right lately, because toilet hygiene is such a high priority item Hmm. to prevent illness, which can prevent falls, right? If we're preventing a urinary tract infection, because they're doing better with their hygiene, we could prevent a potential fall or hospitalization. That's huge. You can install and and get a bidet going for $30. And it does not require a plumber. I have videos on how to do it on my YouTube channel on EquipMeOT if you ever need to look for it. But they are hugely effective and so affordable. I love to point out that most modifications are not going to break the bank. The most common ones don't. Grab bars, I recommend having somebody who is experienced in installation doing, bring in a contractor for that, but they don't have to be expensive, but they can also be beautiful. I've done a lot of really stunning grab bars that match the physical space, and I've added a lot of grab bars on the exterior of homes to help people step in as an alternative to ramping everything if you're not in a wheelchair. You can, add, you can add physical support so that people can get in and out more. Ramping is always important. It's a important consideration. And one of the things I like to do is ne- not necessarily force ramps on people because I know they're really helpful. I like to talk to them about where the best place to put their ramp if they ever needed one would be. I love to leave that information with, just be like, hey, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you need a ramp, here's where I would put it. So leaving people with the, the proper rise and run as you were referencing people doing ramps that are like straight up, I like to be like, okay, there's a very specific mathematical equation that goes into making an appropriately angled ramp. So just really a ton of information so that people can start making the decisions themselves on what they want to do. That's a very different aspect, I guess, of home modifications is like, they're not going to do all of the things you want them to do. (laughs) You have to be okay with that. It's their home. It's their lives. But I always want to leave people with really practical, typically affordable solutions the most expensive upgrade I do probably the most frequently is stair glides. So the the little chairs you can ride up and down the stairs, I always think of the little old man and up, the, the Disney Pixar movie where he's yeah. slow motion coming down. Yeah. So those are really, really common. And the cool thing about that is you can actually get those used very easily. People sell them all the time because they'll buy a house that had them and then they don't want them. So they sell them. And equipment companies that do specialize in installing those will offer you, if you ask, a used variety that is in perfectly functioning condition, but about a quarter of the price. (laughs) So there's always always a way. That's probably the most expensive mod that I do quite frequently so that people can have access to their basements or their upstairs. Right.
0: Very cool. Very, very cool. And what would you say is your favorite thing about being in the setting and doing home modification.
1: Well, so I'm going to I'm going to expose something about myself right now. I <laughs> am very I'm very nosy. Ever since I was a child, I've loved like the idea of just knowing how everybody's living. Like the idea of like being able to peek in their window and see what the house is. I get to do that every day in a way that's meaningful and that I can go <laughs> into these homes, snoop around. I'm not snooping, but I can see around, but I can see how people are living which fascinates me. And then <laughs> not only that, I can do the other thing that gives me purpose, which is I can help. I can be in your home. I can feel a part of your world for a little while because I think that connection is what fuels me. And then I can help you stay in that world, stay with that sense of home that for so many people is so vital to their, to their just general well-being. A lot of people give up hope very quickly when they, their world gets smaller and smaller in their, within their own home. They, I have walked into so many homes where people are isolated to a single room because mm-hmm. no other space in the home is accessible for them. So when we can open that world up a little bit for people, give them access to the garage, for heaven's sakes, give somebody access to that absolutely favorite potting shed where they love to do their gardening tasks and say, hey, we still can do this. We just got to make a few modifications watching the light come back into people's eyes when you give them that opportunity is what it's all about. I mean, that I would, I would do that for free for the rest of my life. And I often <laughs> do. I'd give a lot of unsolicited advice when I'm out, <laughs> out, out, out and about, but it really matters. And I think doing something that has that much meaning for people and is so intimately part of our fa- fabric as humans is just incredibly powerful. So I, I cannot state it enough that this stuff matters. And it's so important to even if you're not interested in going in and becoming a true home modification specialist, respecting this aspect of the mm. human existence is so important to really truly absorb as an occupational therapist. This is what makes us unique. This is what gives us a lot of superpower. I, I think we give people a lot of hope through this process. And I, I cannot understate how much I love doing it.
0: Very cool. That's very, very powerful. So for we were kind of talking a little bit beforehand, how there is a need for people to just dive into more home modification as occupational therapists. So I want to hear a little bit more. Why? Why do you think that maybe I guess you could say the opportunity is is lacking? Could you dive a little bit into that?
1: Funding is always a big challenge when you're facing home modifications. Equipment is rarely covered under insurance. If ever the actual physical changing of a home's the space, adding widening doors, changing flooring, adding ramps is often a gigantic pain to try to get coverage for. So most people are going to have to balance that with paying out of pocket. So as the therapist, we have to balance and respect the fact that these people are already on limited budgets. So finding ourselves, we need to get paid, right? We need to get paid for our expertise, we need to get paid for our our knowledge, but there's already tightness in the budget. So that's part of the reason why there aren't a ton of us out there. There is opportunities for OTs who are intrepid and willing to work through the challenges of finding the payment sources, but you got to be ready to hustle. It's a lot less straightforward than getting a job at a skilled nursing facility or acute care or an outpatient clinic where that paycheck is going to come every week or every two weeks, and you know what it's going to be, and it's extremely consistent work. This is inconsistent and a little bit financially, it can be stressful because it's just not as simple as some of those other pieces. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities to do really well if you are willing to put in the work and the effort, but that's just something to be aware of. You can do this work while also being employed as like a home health therapist. Now, I will put a little soapbox moment. This is kind of a thing for students to be aware of. I rarely recommend students going to home health right away. You've probably heard people say that. You can do it, but make sure your mentorship is profoundly good because you are extremely on your own and autonomous as a home health therapist. But home health is a place where if you are passionate about home mods and this kind of thing, but you want something more stable, You can do that. What I do is a little bit more out of the box, but I have a, I have the ability to be more entrepreneurial and a little less consistent with my finances because of my situation. And I do not take that for granted. I'm very fortunate to be able to do that. That's just not going to be the case for everybody. So that's a very like the reality of the situation. I don't get benefits for what I do. It's out of pocket frequently. You know, there's just a lot of considerations for how that this process can be done. It's just not going to be for everyone.
0: Right. And would you say that it takes like a certain type of personality? Because I mean, like you, you see that people that want to do pediatrics, like, oh, well, you, you got to be putting on a show and you got to be that joyful, like, and to a certain degree, there's sh- true to that. But like, or actually, I'm going to sidetrack here. I interviewed, you guys may want to check out this episode as well, but I did interview Alondra LaoT. She's a hypotherapist. And she works outside. And as we were talking, I basically thought to myself, no, I don't really envision myself out in the hot sun. I think horses are gorgeous. I love them. I want to pet them. I want to be with them. But I can't imagine myself just being out in the hot sun. So I guess to rephrase, do you think that like it, that there's a certain type of person or that it takes to, to do this home modification? Because home modification also is very applicable to people in pediatrics.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there needs to be more pediatric specialists who go into home modifications. I am not one. I will openly admit that when I work on pediatric Mm -hmm. cases, I'm very out of my element. I usually call in somebody to help me, but that that is very true. Home modifications, the the thing that is probably, I love it, but I also, it's a love-hate relationship, okay? Because one of the things with home modifications is you best be, nothing happens quickly, nothing. If you've ever Mm. had a, a remodel done to your home, if you've ever waited on contractors and subcontractors, that process is heartbreakingly slow. You better Mm. be ready to be patient. And so if you're somebody who likes to see quick, instant results, you feel you build on that, like you like that you like that process, this is going to be hard work for you, you're not going to enjoy it. There is so much time spent waiting for a phone call for a piece of equipment to arrive, you're telling people to be patient, you know, it is that part of it is it will push some people out. If you are patient, you can hold out and make it work. But it is, it's painstakingly slow for the most part. If you've ever worked for the VA, for example, which is where a lot of modifications get done through, the VA does not move quickly. It is a a—it is a large bureaucratic organization. Medicare and Medicaid do not move. So it's definitely a painstakingly mm. slow Process. So you gotta be very patient and you have to really, really want it. Because if you don't really care that much, you'll just wander off and find something more interesting to do with your time.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think it just comes to show again as I do more episodes and just talk with more people, the the value of knowing who you are as an individual. It's what I think is key as you are applying to occupational therapy school, deciding what setting to go into. And so introspect, I think, is everything. You don't want to be getting into home modification, maybe because you know you just you think it, it's like very, very cool, or and you like she's saying, maybe you lack the patience. You don't want to go into OT school <laughs> and then find out that wow, this is really not for me, you know, and maybe I should be doing something else. So do your research and find out what it is that you can on a personal level deal with. And I think that that will guide you into the right certification, the right setting. And so, yeah, I don't know if you want to add anything to that, but I think introspect is everything.
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And I will also add that you gain the skill of introspection as you get older. So don't don't worry if your introspection is lacking when you first start out and you have to make changes on the fly. That's mm-hmm. okay too. <laughs> it definitely... did, I've done a lot of that in my career as well. <laughs> Yeah, and same and same here.
0: You know, it's because I I mean when when you're younger, you just want things to go. You're like, okay, I want this career, I want to be here, and like let's just make things happen. And you're just moving as quick as you can. And you're not really, you know, sometimes taking the, the the time to really even think about is this right for you? But it does come with age too as well. But it all and and then I just also want to challenge you if you are young, maybe you're 18 and you're thinking, okay, in four years I'm gonna apply to OT school take some time to reflect on things. There's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? And like she's saying, those skills do get better. You don't have to like go to OT school right away. Maybe just because you have a few other pre OT friends that are applying right away to like, you know, take the time to really get to know yourself and what it is that you're getting into and what you can do, which is why I'm doing this podcast in the first place so this is one of the things that you can do I hope that you love it the home modification aspect of it right and you see the value that it can bring to people's lives like you know I when I was a student I had the privilege of doing my field work at ABA and was able to do a home modification it was like it was just a home evaluation I did a couple of home evaluations and those were just so cool and just being able to see and be a part of that OT aspect was so 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 cool. And, and I just, yeah, I hope it just encourages people to really dive into a little more how they can do it. So, and yeah, like she was saying, I, like one big takeaway that I got was if you're wanting to really dive into this, the, the, the flexibility and schedule is somehow needed, you know, cause just of how time consuming. some maybe some of these evaluations are and just, and the, just how long things take, to come into effect. Yeah. I, th- I think if you're going to do this, you need to find what other setting you can, you can be in. And I don't see why not to, she talked about home health. I see even a PRN job at a hospital could be mm-hmm. fine too, yep. you know, or a per diem job. Right. So there's different ways for you to integrate this with current practice. And yep. it's just a way for you to enhance your your skills and be able to help people. So Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to, to be here. And I don't know if you want to say any last words to our listeners, anything that you want to leave us with anything that you're like,
1: this, this is, this is something that you must know, <laughs> you know, oh. or I want to leave you with this. <laughs> Well, I would say that if you have questions, if you have additional questions or you need clarification or you just want to talk some more, check out my I have a an Instagram yes. which is @equipmeot e q u i p m e o t and I check my DMs, I respond to my DMs. So if you have questions or concerns, that's a great place to start. And if you just want to learn more about like what equipment looks like, how it's installed, all of that, you can check out my YouTube channel which is of the same and there's a bunch of videos on there just to kind of get your feet wet with what this medical equipment World looks like. So I would say that's a good resource. And all those links too
0: are also in the show notes. So you can check that out and start learning more about how you can implement home modification into into practice. So, and find out if this is some maybe your jam as well. You, You know, you never know. The OT world is very, very small and you never know who you'll end up collaborating with. So, and so yeah, just. Check that out and I will see you guys in the next episode. I hope you guys have a great day. Thank you so much for joining me and taking time out of your day to listen. We hope this has been valuable and will get you one step closer to being the occupational therapist you want to be. You can check out all of our resources and social media platforms on otgenius.com. The website again is otgenius.com. If you wish to connect with us, you can do so by booking a consultative call on the website or even find us on Instagram. The handle is at ot.genius and you can there join our monthly newsletter and stay up to date on all the things we are doing to help you succeed. We hope that you have a great day and thank you again for listening.